This is a Hive Mind Studio production. Hello, gods and goblins, deities and deviants, and my fellow what the fucks. You're listening to Playing with Advantage, an informative podcast about the various aspects and origins of the tabletop role playing genre. I, as always, am Kenneth Moffat, aka the Southern GM, and with me we have Brody Elder Fenris. I'm the Giggle Beast. <laughs> <laughs> And James, the secret eye, Bardwell. Don't know how to follow that up. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as most of our listeners know, as the whole world knows, this week marks the opening of the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie. Dun, dun, dun. A, a great, I've actually, I actually have seen already, and I've got like four invitations to go see it again. And guess what? I'm going to see it again because it's just that good, in my opinion. <laughs> And it is an amazing movie. It, I'm not going to spoil anything about it, but it's it is worthy. It is the movie we have been wanting when it comes to a Dungeons and Dragons movie. That being said, our topic of discussion today, kind of you know, shilling off the back of the movie, is other uh, examples of Dungeons and Dragons in media, be it movies, TV shows. Uh, I know a couple of like comic books and you know other things like that have kind of famously thrown in D and D or TTRPG references. So. What are some off the top of your head that you guys can think of that stand out to you that are kind of like your favorite? You know, hey, that's always cool to see. The one that comes to me is like the community. I love the community when they do their community. D&D. Like it has become kind of an obligatory trope now to do a DD episode. Yes. Um, but community really, I feel like, captures the spirit <laughs> of DD. Because have you seen the memes and it's like, this is what my mom thinks I do. This is what people think I do. This is what I actually do. And so you're sitting there in the full. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, is, that is the thing. Because like, it's like, this is what, you know, organized religion thinks I do. And it's just like people doing cult shit. And then uh, it's like, this is what my parents think I do. And it's you in their basement. And like, really, it's just us around a table enjoying being around each other. Communities on my watch list. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's but so good. The cool thing is, I think there are, I know there are at least two, there may be a third D&D episode. And it mainly kind of follows the same story. It starts off with they're trying to help uh, this one uh, this one classmate of theirs because they think he's about to unlive himself. There's this whole big thing like that. But and it it is just a great it, it's the famous part with the character Senor Chan played by uh, I think it's Kenneth Cho I think is his last name, but he he was the he was uh, the he was the guy in the trunk in the Hangover movie. Yeah, he shows up in like full uh, like dark elf uh, you know body paint with the ears and the wig and the contact lenses, and then he literally dies within thirty seconds of the game starting. So it is. It is hilarious. Probably took him longer to get the contact lenses in. <laughs> but yeah, and and the uh, and it's really cool because that does kind of give it. It gives a another purpose to D and D. Like the and it turns out the reason why the guy was thinking to unalive himself was a lot of the fault of the guys playing D and D with him because they would call him. You know, his the character's name was Neil, and they would just call him Fat Neil, and that kind of they there was this yeah. whole big thing, but it was shown that you could use D and D because it helped him kind of come out of his shell, help him gain more confidence. It was, as you say, James, there was that, that almost like therapeutic aspect of it. Oh yeah, for sure. And while community is known for like outrageous, just insane uh, actions, this episode kind of had a bit of a, uh, a bit of a moral to it. It was uh, like an underlying uh, theme to it. It was really cool to watch. I know the one that immediately comes to my mind. And of course there's a ton of people that can, probably relate to this one too is uh, stranger things. Yes. That firstly oh, yeah. pops in my head. Yep. A, a unifying theme pretty much among all of these is kind of it's it's okay to be different and we can be different together. Yeah. And I mean that's pretty prevalent like D&D is representative of that. It is. Uh like one of our first episodes we mentioned that you know TTRPGs were kind of where we the disenfranchised came together and went wait, we're not alone in this world, there are others like us. It is okay to be the weird kid. That this is great. I have friends now. Yeah. <laughs> Looked at Brody. Brody yeah. panics. <laughs> um, I have friends. We 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 have got to get a camera here to see the reactions of some of the stuff we do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, now, like the thing, I will admit, Stranger Things does bug me in one in like some capacities because one, that is not what the Demogorgon looks like. Um, oh yeah, I mean, it's, again, <laughs> just calling it that. Yeah. So I, people get upset about how their thing, their fandom, gets misrepresented when it transfers to different medias. Very right? true. Yes, like that, and that's understandable. You know this thing, you love this thing because this thing is the way it is. But just like the difference between painting with watercolors and oil paints, 
because it's a different medium, you have to you have to move some things around. And I think the only time that's really a problem is when moving things around to make that match the medium kind of um, dilutes the core of the thing. Yeah. And like I don't I don't think any of these episodes really do that. Not um, not really. Most no. of the time they hit it on the head unless it's people like it. And there's not there's not a lot of this. Not not like it was when I was growing up. People that kind of use it still to make fun of yeah. of the the individuals participating in the hobby. Like in in, in Stranger Things, I'll give them easily give them a pass because one at the time they were like what uh, eight nine year old kids. I think like one of them was like maybe twelve at the older. They were like yeah. younger kids. Yeah. And so they see this creature that's devouring things, killing things, ripping people apart. And they had just played through the original Demogorgon module. It's like, okay, yeah, that that's yeah, fine. That's and Demogorgon. That's a Demogorgon. Uh, I will admit they got the mind flayer pretty pretty spot on. You know, with the whole little small leeches and stuff. That was cool. Uh, and then just Vecna. I, that that was the amazing. That whole I think that was my favorite season that I, I watched. And I cannot. I I still. I'm going to call it right now, folks. I'm going to make a prediction. Eddie will be back. Absolutely, as a as a Count Strahd type character, I think that's going to happen. The the bat tattoos, the bat like, tattoos for me that was the thing. Uh, also, I think the guy I forget his name, but it was the jog that was leading the the satanic panic push. Yep, the one who that he was split in half as the rift was happening. I think he's going to come back as a like a Sergei type character. Yeah, and then I, I see that, and then we're going to see um, uh, Chrissy come back as almost like a. Uh, a uh, uh An arena arena character yeah, yeah that, that'd be really cool Chrissy wake up <laughs> I don't, I don't like, this. like this that's too much trauma <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll have to admit though like they really they really in the the last season they kind of captured the whole satanic panic thing did. I know they we've did. done an episode on that um but that was that's pretty close like I mean because yeah you know we like you know Eddie was this cool you know kind of badass guy who literally went down swinging right there which I don't believe he needed to die but we're not gonna get into that in this episode Same. uh that massive by the way folks uh in the in the the, the time limit of uh of stranger Spoiler warning of stranger things it's been out like what it going on two if years you haven't now? seen it by now it's your fault yeah <laughs> uh in in the time in the, like the timeline of stranger things Eddie had less than like six months to learn. I think it was like, it was like four, a little over four months to learn the solo for Master of Puppets while preparing for his senior uh, finals graduation and running a full length D and D campaign. That's what that that's why Dungeon Masters are so good. We we could do it all, folks. <laughs> Serious, insane, multitasking, amazing people. Yes, uh, and but but yeah, and I but the things about the Satanic Panic. Eddie was a kid. And the fact that these people are ready to literally shoot this kid because, you know, he's different. That That is literally the levels of fear that the satanic... We're not going to get into that, but if you folks want to go back and listen to... It's one of our more popular episodes, I understand. It's just... The, we discussed the satanic panic, where it came from, how it applied to role-playing games. And ultimately, it's just moving on from role-playing games to video games. So, like, D&D's effect on culture is... Very evident generationally. Yes. Um, so people from the generation of Satanic Panic, as an example, uh, I had another person that owns a business in the uh, area that the hive is at. And they uh, they came in to see what we were about because we're in the same uh, row of buildings now. And we were talking and I was explaining to him what we do and we got to the Dungeons and Dragons part and I could visibly see... That tense. Well, yeah, yeah, there was that little bit of tension when I mentioned that. And and this this woman, she's, she's older and... uh. She wanted to say a to phrase a question, but she was—I could tell—she was trying to phrase it in a way that was least offensive as she could. And you know, her posture and stuff changed. She kind of scrunched down a little bit, and she goes, "Doesn't that get very serious?" And I was like, "Well, there is a lot of drama involved, but I'll be honest with you, it's a lot more like Monty Python than anything else." She's like, "Really?" And like her whole posture yeah. changed when I said that, and you can tell that was what. Media represented D and D in her generation. Now, younger people come into the shop and they're like, "I can be with my friends yeah. and be who I want to be." But before that, the the whole thing about like, because uh, first of all, folks, I'm going to find a term that I know a lot of people use, and some of them use incorrectly. The term is zeitgeist. It's basically this unconscious uh, memory that society has. Things like you know, uh, books, media, any sort of thing that adds to the culture of our species as a whole. You could call that as part of the zeitgeist. Uh, literally, I think that means like a universal spirit or something. It's, it's a, a thing, a German term. I can't remember. 
but D&D has been part of the zeitgeist ever since its inclusion. Mm-hmm. And the Satanic Panic was a very well-known uh, indicator of that part of it, where we thought was, okay, well, you know, they're summoning demons and devils, and the, these books have monsters on the front of them. And now it's with, you know, with like, with like people like us talking about it, with things like Critical Role, this movie, it's starting to pivot more toward, wait, this is just a game? Yeah. What was so dangerous about it? The people who originally played it were weird. That's that's all it yeah. was. Yeah, not the social norm. Yeah. I was going to bring up, you found common ground and relatability with that woman in a way that brought an understanding so that there wasn't a miscommunication or like they immediately thought, oh, well, this is bad. Yeah. You found a way to oh, and that when you saw her posture change and everything, there was there was tension release and and acceptance. Yeah, question like, mark. She let she left with a different attitude than she came with, and that is absolutely necessary to to move thoughts and things when it comes to different cultures. You can't start with where you see and understand a thing if you're wanting to affect someone else. You have to get to a point where both of you are standing on the same ground. Then you can move forward together. You can't you can't call out from the hilltop down to the valley and hope they get there. You got to walk the yeah. path with them. Something's gonna be lost in translation, otherwise. Yeah, yeah, you got to like, find common ground. Like this past weekend, I had a family function I went to, and uh, a friend of my sister's was there, and they're they're a tattoo artist. They were you know discussing things. And we were painting or painting these little things, and I mentioned that man, I hate these, these brushes are so flimsy. You know, I wish we had good brushes. And the tattoo artist goes, "Why don't you just bring your own?" Then I went, "Maybe I should have." And I've got a bunch of them. It's like three hundred dollar painting set that I use to do stuff with. They kind of gave me a weird look. My sister went, "Oh yeah, he paints like miniatures and statues and stuff, and he's pretty good at it. like he does dragons and monsters." And I'm like, "Okay, I didn't even realize that y'all guys." And I'm like, "Yeah, it was it was kind of what I what it is, but still." Just that moment of like a member of my family going, yeah, he does this. And it's just a very normal kind of, you know, statement. My mom used to be one of those that was very apprehensive because she saw the covers to the books and everything. She's like, I'm not sure if I like that. She's she's a very devout religious person. And, you know, I I can understand. I have uh, folks, I have a a book here with me from Cobalt Press, and it is literally a like bone goat demon head on the front of it. So. Yeah, that, that can send a lot of mixed signals when they when they see something like that. But I was able to change her point of view about it through understanding by using our charity event. Yeah. Because she had never she didn't know anything about it. She just only knew what she had been or had been told by others. So when she saw us in that that setting, she was like this isn't so bad. It was literally like that moment from the water boy. Like, <laughs> yeah. this ain't the devil, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yep. I, I have had like so many people, like we have the banner for that event up here in, in the shop. Like we're, we're proud of, of what we did as a community there. I'm literally wearing the shirt. Yeah. Like t- two of the people here at the shop today have, have the promotional shirts on from the second one we did. But like people will ask, Hey, what's that for? And I was like, well, that's this thing that we did in relation to raising money for Alzheimer's. And I think at that point, people start understanding this isn't a just a thing weird people do. This isn't uh this isn't just a game. This is a community of people. Like the same thing binds us together as binds any group together. Like I, you know, for I don't want to say a church because you know <laughs> there's a lot of differences there. Um, don't say the other c word either. Yeah, don't say the other c word. Who also has cult head? I mean, uh, goat head books. <laughs> Not a cult. Not a cult. Corporations? I mean... <laughs> I think no. that's worse than cult. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you mentioned something that this is what your mother been told. Because the thing is, like, growing up in their generation, you know, things like televisions, uh, media itself, there wasn't really a lot of exposure for, like, Dungeons and Dragons, this kind of stuff. It was what the news said, maybe, you know, uh, and, and you never saw Opie Taylor on, and, you know, Barney Five sitting down... At a at a D and D table though, oh God, I would love to see that episode. Well, gosh, Andy, <laughs> you killed my goblin. <laughs> Aunt B, which one is the D twenty? <laughs> Aunt B rages. <laughs> <laughs> we cut we cut over to Mister Ed. Okay, Wilbur, roll for initiative. <laughs> yeah, you never saw that, 
And so all they had was the information that like the news would put out about like, the satanic panic, D&D being satanic, that kind of stuff. Whereas we, our generation, uh, kind of actually kind of picked up with yours as well, James, is the fact that we now have access to all this information where we can go and it's, we don't have to go, you know, spend hours at a library or go dig through old news archival evidence. We literally pick up our phones, type in three words, and we get all this plethora of information. And now we can start going, wait, that's what this means? Oh, I was wrong about this the entire time. Something very significant has happened, I would say, in the fairly recent past um, back in my day, and I hate saying that because it reminds me of how old I am, news dictated culture. Yeah. The evening news was a thing, like everybody of a certain age, and that age wasn't as, as high as you would think. Uh, they stopped what they were doing, and they watched the news at a specific time. And what the news said was the truth. Those were the facts, and that's how they informed their life. Now we have things like, I don't know, TikTok, um, lots of access to information, People don't go to the media to get their news. People get their news their self. Yeah. So in the past, whereas the news informed culture, now culture informs news. Yes. Like that that dynamic has flipped and shifted. And I also think that's a big part of why uh, D&D's representation in media is different now. Because yes. like people are going out for themselves. They're seeing, they're participating, and then they're reflecting that. I wanted to circle back for a minute. You were talking about the, um, we were talking about Stranger Things and and the seeing people's uh, identification with like the the mind flare yeah. and Vecna and all that. I can see both sides of that because I have a friend that I know that is aggravated because they like Vecna, like the classic D and D villain. So anytime they Google Vecna, it pops it's, up. it's always Stranger Things <laughs> stuff, and he's aggravated by that. But I'm like, you know, the flip side of that was like, yeah, Vecna's cool and all, but I personally, he's not one of my favorites at all. Like, yeah. But the Stranger Things version, I like that. Yeah. So, I mean. I'll be honest. I love what's because I'll when, when you first start like kind of like learning about the character of Vecna and Stranger Things, I'll be honest. I was afraid they were going to do what's become very popular these days. Where they're gonna make you empathize and feel for the no -uh. when when you learn his backstory, you're like, oh god, I hate him even more now. Like he it, was a very not well done every villain. Every villain has to be sympathetic. Uh, I like both types of villains. Like everyone who knows anything about me knows that I am a vampire aficionado. Like I love all vampire stuff. Do yes. not tell that story. I know what you're thinking. That was an accident. Anyway, Taco Bell, <laughs> one of many accidents. Um. <laughs> So I, I do like the romanticized vampires some, you know, that that's a good trope. Yeah. Uh, but I have to admit, after years of interview with a vampire style representation in media, when me and, you know, a couple of buddies sat down to watch uh, 40 Days of Night, uh, it was a shock and a really pleasant one to see those land sharks yeah. mow through that town. Like, those were monsters. Yes. Right? Uh, and, like, I think both things are accessible and acceptable. Um. It, it, a lot of times people get in this either or mentality and like, that's not the case. You can have both. And I think it should make sense for the media. Like I know with, um, Oh, the, um, I forgot the name of the, your, your, your first Tagande big bad that wanted like to give lycanthropy to the world to stop disease. Uh, General Merrock, General Merrock, that, Asshole. that, that, that made sense for a story that he was very relatable. He was under, there is a, a you, you could, you could kind of empathize, a for effort, F for execution kind of thing. <laughs> then you've got, you know, like where you have stories like where my, uh, the natural ones just came over where this guy was just mad at the world because he thought he'd gotten a bad deal. Cool. Going to destroy the world. Then that's his motivation. He, he got, he got angry because he, he believed he was, he should get more than what he got. And he was like, cool. If I can't have it, nobody can. Mm, I'll just take my toys and go home then and break <laughs> yeah. your toys in the process. Yeah. 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 Uh, but now getting back to like making sense of media, uh, it's like, we mentioned community, which is that more kind of, uh, like just out there. We stranger things is kind of a more realistic. Another one that I, that I love is off the it crowd, which is this, this British comedy show about, uh, three individuals working in the it department of this massive corporation. And as someone who works in the it field, I, it just, this show resonates with me so much. <laughs> I think because, I know what you're talking about. Cause they always pick up the phone with it. Would you, have you tried turning off on again? And I'm like, yes, yes. But yeah, uh, there's an episode where they put, uh, the it director, Jen 
in charge of activities for this visiting uh, corporation who are some, like, you know, uh, spokespeople and stuff. Well, Jin's like, I don't have time to do this. Uh, well, and then the character Moss, who I love, is like, don't worry, Jin. I have something we can do. It'd be great. It's a team building exercise. Okay, cool. Moss, leave it to you. And they play Dungeons and Dragons. And like, he, it's like, well, this isn't going to be like, you know, girly stuff, is it? No, 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 not girly at all. Uh, you are Winfair, uh, uh, you are Winfair, uh, Windrider, a unicorn kin, and just this, like, this whole weird thing. But by the end of the show, these guys have gotten like deep into this story. To the point where, like, um, the Moss, uh, the the guy who's the dungeon master, actually helps his buddy Roy overcome still like repressed feelings about an ex that he he you know he recently had, and it's just this whole big thing about that. And again, they had fun. It was like these like massive you know mainstream corporate guys like this is stupid to start with, and at the end of it, they're like he did what? And it's just this, it's really cool to see that happen. So like I, I have some real life uh, application there. When I was still doing ministry work uh, for the church, there was a point that one of the the guys at the head of the that department at the, for the state of Mississippi um, heard about you know me playing D and D and the stuff I did because I was doing that with kind of our like adult youth group, um, and some word got around on a lot of the message boards and social media and stuff that that group used, and I had people from all over the state requesting to have calls and like talk with me about how can I set this up? How does this work with my youth group? Yeah. Because like you said, it is a team building thing. Like actual combat is probably the quickest way to bond yep. a group of people. Secondary to that would be this. Yeah. It, it, you, you have these stressful um, pseudo high stakes scenarios and that how people react to that and support one another and affirm one another it bonds them together really it's, well because it is a very similar mindset. Now, uh, you're not, you don't have the lethality of like actual combat. Yeah. But if you get as as our previous episode, if you get invested and immersed in these characters, yep. I was going to say that too. Harking <laughs> back to last episode, you like when when things happen to them. That I mean, I and I because there all there also is the 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 other part of that where you get so immersed that you kind of break with reality and then like. I've known people who the only personality they have is their D and D character. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of have to have that happy. <laughs> I think I almost killed Brody on that one. All things in balance. All things in balance. All things in moderation. A sense of proportion. Yep. Perfectly uh, balanced as all things should be. <laughs> where was I going with this conversation? Oh yeah. Uh, where that thankfully you you if something happens to that character you react to it in a very similar way. So once my, and it does build that. And to the point where on my, on my resume, I have being a game master as part of my resume. Now I don't just say, you know, running D and D. What I say is I assemble a weekly team building exercise for various individuals use and just all these different strategies and stuff that solve problems That's and work together. problem solving <laughs> and work together. And I've had somebody ask me about it. And I mentioned, well, it's kind of, well, I was just kind of being a cheesy way to say I, I run Dungeons and Dragons. They're like, really? And I go into everything about what that entails. And they're like, I didn't, I just thought it was a bunch of people got together and did funny voices. Like, that's, oh, no. that's just what it looks like on the outside. There's a lot more in depth of that. And things like media is starting to show that, yeah, you can, a, a critical role, uh, Dimension 20, uh, Stagande, the natural ones you're getting with places like Twitch and YouTube. You can see more and more of the various peoples and the various ways that, you know, role play games happen. And you get that idea of, well, there's more to this than just a bunch of people going around, you know, the orcs attack you and that, that kind of stuff. There's a lot more to it. First of all, I'd like to point out that you put both of us in the same sentence as dimension 20 critical role. Yes, so, I did. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for that high praise. <laughs> Hopefully one day we'll get there. <laughs> I think that it's a very particular and sterling compliment that in the day and age, because used to people would turn on their cable box and they would pick a channel yep. of something that was being offered and that's what they would watch. But in the day and age where people hunt their own entertainment in the online forums, people are choosing things that are D&D related, yep. like Critical Role and Dimension the, 20. Like I, all of those just shows that are amazing. People who have all the options in the world go, hey, I want to see this. But this thing, like the first time I streamed my game and I, you know, the end of the night on TikTok, I showed, showed the analytics and there was like 8,000 people who had viewed. Now that means there wasn't constant, but it means at some point 
8,000 people had popped in for at least 30 seconds to see what was going on. Like, wow, that's a lot of people. It's probably just, you know, first time next week was 12,000 then 20. Then I, at one point I had 96 K and now I'm like, wait, this people, you know, people are looking for this kind of stuff. They love this kind of stuff. And you know, the fact that you have like, you know, all this different availability of it now. And it's, it's so cool because I grew up in the time where you had four channels Yep. and yep. the president was on your night, night was, was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. We had it was it was 13, 19, 22, 25 and then if the clouds were right we could pick up channel 7. We had 3, 12, 16 and 40. Yep. That's what that was mine. 3, 12, 16 and 40. 3 was where we put on to watch movies on the VCR. Channel 40 eventually became what Fox and then CW or something like yeah. that. Fox 40 is what it used to be. Fox 40. Uh, we, ours was uh, WLOX 13, CBS 22, and then WXXV, Fox 25. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. We are old. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to uh, talk about it. You know, uh, love it or hate it, uh, Critical Role really catapulted D&D into the spotlight for this age, this generation, as being a not... Um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not um a bad thing. It, it's it's an all inclusive thing where anybody can play, and and it's really, I mean, for all intents and purposes, breathed new life into the game. Yeah, and like if you go back and like watch their like watch their first campaign stuff, like it is like they're literally in a room like no bigger than this. They're like it's like picnic tables and picnic benches. Their camera quality is horrendous. You can hear the pops and squeaks in their microphone. The audio quality is it, bad. Yeah, and, but and, but and look at what they've come to now. Just like I think now they're going on eight years of that. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's it's amazing. That means that you know people want to see this. That, that's it's really they think it's interesting. In in eight years, they went from a group of friends sitting around a table doing typical TTRPG stuff to a media conglomerate that has recently didn't they make a purchase. Of uh, God, it was some other some other media outlet or they something. They bought a podcast, a yeah, an anonymously right. hosted yeah. podcast that does like some sort of like uh, like stories. They do short stories, like sci-fi stuff. Oh and wow, other things. I, I I saw I heard about it, but I didn't like really read into. It just kind of yeah. Like D, it's like you know, Crick Roll acquired something. I just kind of like scrolled past it. But I I saw where they did that because they weren't getting a lot of attention. But I was like, well, it feels it feels a little hostile when you say they bought but them. them. Yeah. But I mean, they did for the purpose of giving them more support. I was like, there's other ways you could go about doing that. But I'm I'm certain there's another reason why they acquired. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to bet we're about to start getting like you know, Alexandria short stories and different things like that set in the Alexandria war, uh, the universe of Alexandria. You know, well, I know role. Mercer has stated that he wanted to expand not just for his setting. He wanted to expand their their reach as far as like other things that they produce. Yeah. So it's not just his his game. So having been like involved in corporate structure and then like the the kind of behind the scenes stuff at the church. When it comes to leadership stuff, it is amazing that they went from that group playing around that table in eight years to Matt is thinking about legacy yeah. and trying to move legacy. Because legacy is legacy is what a real leader does because at some point he passes that on to someone else. Like and he's already thinking about, you know, what legacy are we moving for? Because that's the thing, as much as we love Critical Role and Alexandria and all these characters, it's gonna come to an end eventually. Like there, there's going to be an end to these guy, to these stories, to this guy, and so I, I love the fact that like you know, so like matching about well, how do I keep this going after I'm done with it? Mm-hmm. How do we, you know, how do we turn a, uh, a how do we turn a game about a ten year old kid who goes out and you know collects bugs essentially <laughs> into a multi billion dollar you know decade spanding like the empire. highest isn't it, isn't it like the highest i think grossing? pokemon is one of the high it's either it's I we mean, actually we checked it yesterday because somebody had mentioned something about it and um one of the other people at the shops like no they lost that title so we looked it up yesterday no they're still there yeah it, they, they had lost it for like a month or two i think maybe to marvel um but makes, they're, yeah. they're back now yeah like, I mean, it's I mean, pokemon again that's the thing because look at what pokemon does not just because they went from just it started off as like you know video games 
uh, which I think originally Nintendo started as because well, until when Nintendo ball, I know they ball Pokemon. Nintendo kind of is the umbrella for it. Uh, it started off as like you know it was just as video games, and you went to the card games and clothing, then lunch boxes, merchandise, ca- merchandise, car decals, food. There is like we to quote see- in Malcolm, you slap it on a lunchbox and you're selling it. You're selling it. You want to sell. You sell. And like we here in America, in the states, we see such a small portion of the kind of merchandise that Pokemon has. Like go go to Akihabara sometime and just see with everything has got like Pikachu, a Pokeball, Clefairy, just all these Pokemon everywhere on it. Yeah, that was a we went into a rabbit hole. We we did. Let's let's let's. <laughs> let's what this is all still media. It is still like yeah. marketing's part of media, like the. The whole legacy stuff with Critical Role, all that's part of media. And that's that's one of the things, like, back in the day, D&D was pretty niche. It yeah. had its hole, and it stayed there. Now, much like Pokemon, it is reaching out, and it's hitting other various forms of media. It is it is evolving. It is, and the sad thing is that that only has only really happened recently with, like, the push of Critical Role, the different, like, actual, you know, well-known shows like Community. I think That 70s Show had a D&D episode because before this, it was just the weird game. Uh, and then with the whole issues with when Watsy took it over uh, with Lorraine Williams, that whole kind of stuff. The the first real, aside from the like the 1980s cartoon show, which was a show made for kids, the first big like exposure in the media that D&D got was a little movie in 2000 called Dungeons and Dragons, which while it did have Mr. Jeremy Irons, a six-time nominated uh, you know, Academy Award actor. Bless him. I don't think he was bringing his A game to this movie, no, None of those nominations were for this movie. <laughs> folks, If I will, uh, I, I've heard it best said by the nostalgia critic when he reviewed D- the Dungeons and Dragons movie. He goes, this movie is so bad, it's wholesome. You just want to sit and watch and laugh and say, "Bless its heart." Look, when we were talking, I don't know kind if I'd of, say that about it. When we were talking about what we wanted to talk about today, Moffat had brought up the the D and D movie, and I was like, "Look, I'll talk about it as long as you don't make me watch it again. <laughs> I will not watch it again. I won't watch it sober. I won't watch it sober. I might <laughs> like you may have to put a couple in me before we talk about it, and I agree to watch it. But yes, I would watch it not sober. Maybe. What do you mention? We, we have some stuff working, folks. Where you will? Where I'm going to spoil anything? Let's just say, uh, James, go ahead and start topping off. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the and but uh, I will admit, I I own a copy of the movie. I found it in the five dollar bin at Walmart. I bought it. And about once a year, once every eight months, I'm just I'll, if I'm getting like in that funk about like. Now, why do I keep doing this? Why am I done? Yada, yada, yada. I will sit and watch that movie and go, I want my story to, to be as memorable as this movie is. But just not for just the same not reasons. Just for the same reasons. Yeah. Let's know. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is, like, you're, cause this, this is an example of a movie that did everything wrong. Uh, first of all, TSR was the one who uh, sold the movie rights to a 19 year old kid in the 1990s for this movie. Uh, they had 19 months of production time with a, I think their budget was 30 million at the time, which now equates to 15 million for today. I don't know, 45 million in, in this day's money in economy. So yeah, 30 million back then, 45 million. And then the movie only cleared like 52 million in today's time. So it, yeah, it, it did horrible. Uh, none of the acting it was right. The the special effects, the CG effects were horrible. You're like, oh, Moffat, you know, it was it was 2000. This was the early before this, a year before this, the Mummy with Brendan Fraser came out. Decent graphics, decent uh, uh, special and practical effects. <laughs> what year did you say it came out? 2000. 2000. Yep. The year before that, Episode One came out. Yes. Uh. And the here's the thing. This movie was put out by New Line Cinema. New Line Cinema, the following year, would put out another high fantasy movie that would go on to become one of the gold standards for fantasy movies because of it was the gold standard of fantasy books. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was a little trilogy known as The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Wow. Wow. At the same time, these At things the, yeah. were so as as the D and D movie was hitting production, was hitting you know was finishing production, might be sent out. Lord of the Rings was being filmed, so that means that this this director saw the dailies, 
that and new lines like wait we just put oh god oh god oh god and you had to you had to think and someone he just went i bit off more than i could chew or the studio more likely the studio did not have enough confidence in what they were making that they were like let's 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 uh let's not put a whole lot of budget yeah into this well that's the thing the uh the budget came from a from his production team uh, basically his production partner put up the entire amount himself by the way folks the the production company sweet pea productions uh apparently has also had a hand in the production of honor among thieves oh no <laughs> yeah they were probably like guys we got to redeem ourselves here's an opportunity well the thing is he will later try the director of this movie will later try in a second sequel movie which felt more like just a basic high fantasy D movie called wrath of the Dra- uh, wrath of the dragon god uh, it brought back the the same one of the same villains from the first D movie. The, is it the bald guy with the, the bald blue guy? Uh, oh god, what's his name? Brad Brad Payne. He played the villain in Pastor Fifty Seven with Wesley Snipes. Brought him back. He got he gets rid of the blue I'm, lipstick. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just trying to figure out <laughs> how you watch the first movie and you're like, we need that guy for the <laughs> sequel. This is what's gonna make it, y'all. And and then they Jerry were, Irons was probably like, I'm not available. Don't call me. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Jeremy Irons has been quoted as saying the only reason he made the movie was one, the paycheck, and two, the short production time. Uh, it, it, yeah. But the and then the second movie, which again, okay, like all right, this feels more like a a fantasy movie. I'm sorry, but like the Jeremy Irons thing, you know, <laughs> lots of money, short production time. So basically, for him, this movie is the equivalent of feet pics on the internet. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like I was listening to one of the, I was listening to a couple of the other reviewers. They were like. Was was he doing this to pay off a parking ticket or something? Like what what was going on? He's like that? they contact him for the sequel. He's like, nah, the rent's up to date. I'm good, guys. <laughs> I do remember just this was sparked just now because of this discussion. Shout out to Ben. I remember the first time watching this movie. I was watching it with my friend Ben. And uh, he goes without skipping a beat. The first time that guy popped up on screen, he goes, Why are <laughs> Why are his lips blue? Was <laughs> Look, he getting choked out? <laughs> so yeah, uh, so the second movie, Wrath of the Dragon God, again, it, it does have more of a we're trying to be serious feel. Then there was a third movie called The Book of Vile Darkness. They made a third one? They did. And there were you, three. You, the reason you never saw it was because this movie was made for exclusively for the sci-fi channel. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Oh, just right it, next to Sharknado. It, just sitting it, there. It was. Hey, Bad. You poke fun at Sharknado, but now it's a multi-million dollar uh, because franchise. it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> we've we had have one to- terrible D and D movie. Yes, but what, <laughs> what about, about, about second, second terrible D and D movie <laughs> or third? <laughs> we don't want to for third. We don't want to. So, if you want to have none of the budget <laughs> and a hundred percent better a movie yes. than any of the D and D movies, go out and watch. Darkness Rising. Yes. Uh, so back in the, I guess the early 2000s, uh, when YouTube was, yeah, I cannot believe I'm about to say this, when YouTube was first getting its start. <laughs> ah, my bones hurt. A, a group of friends got together, they under the the moniker of The Gamers, and put out, uh, well, the first thing, they because the, Darkness Rising is a sequel they did. They did an original uh, D&D one, which was really cool. Yeah. They were shot in their, in their college dorm room. It was really fun. They really got call back to it. But then they're, the one that kind of got got them known, their their uh, their crowning jewel, so to speak, was the gamer's darkness rising. Yeah. And it literally is cutting back and forth between like real-world aesthetics to the fantasy. The, the jokes are great. They hit all the tropes and like really do a good job of illustrating those both in-game and IRL. Yes. Like. I I still love... So uh, shout, out, shout out to the Fleet Street Geeks, uh, Seth and Jeff. They did a review of that movie. And I love the fact when it always comes because it makes me smile when I hear it is the, it was the part in the movie where their dungeon master shows up and the new player, she calls him by his first name. They're like, who's that? That's my name. You have a first name? And they're like, you know what? That's fair. Because like our dungeon master is Moffat. Shout out to Moffat. I don't know Moffat's first name. And Jeff's like, I, I know his first name. <laughs> my favorite part of Dortness Rising is so the, one of the players uh, owns a comic shop. Yeah. And like he has his employees the day of the game just <laughs> yes. making up bards. Like they have this stack of bards that they make up. And literally in game, 
he's playing these bards and he's got the DM to agree if one dies, he can just play the next one. So like he's getting these bards killed off because in that iteration of the game, bards, not so great, very low survivability. This was 3.0. This was like, yeah, it it was. <laughs> so they are well into this encounter and like there's this stack of dead bards <laughs> on, on the, both in paper and in the actual game when they cut to that. And like the, the players are trying to figure out how to get to safety and he hollers out, quick, hide behind the pile of dead bards. <laughs> I, I lost it. The DM does something too where he looks at him after he kills him and then he slaps a new sheet down and says, there's 37 more of me, asshole. <laughs> yeah. God, that movie was so I, good. I love the part where they're in the, because this is a, uh, this the, the the game they're running in, they had tried to run before and they're, they had been a TPK. Well, they go back into that, that same like complex and the, uh, their NPC companion was still there. <laughs> And the yeah, thing, and the, the one is, carrying all the loot. Yeah, and stuff. they try to get their stuff. He's like, I don't know you people, and so they have to be you know, do a persuasion that kind of stuff. And then you have a guy. Th- this actor is playing the perfect that guy. Uh, oh yeah, like because at first you know he wanted to be a monk. Well, this is you know this is more of like a, a medieval like you know uh, occidental monk. Okay, fine. I'm an accidental. Okay, fine. Monks are fine. He goes. Awesome, I'm an elf. This is an all human kid. When you meet him, the character in game is wearing elf ears, and then the guy is like reaches up and rips them off. <laughs> well, this character later on is like, uh, do we have a list of things? Yeah, you guys can have anything that is in that 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 chest. I'm gonna let you in a little bit of a secret here, and I'm sure you other two GMs can agree with me. Half the time we forget the stuff we give our players. Absolutely. You better write it down. Hmm. This is this movie Not shows you. shows game masters why you should remember the stuff because within that chest there was a, there was it was called a say, psionic blade it was essentially a lightsaber oh yeah oh I forgot about that <laughs> yeah. and then the guy ends up with a shotgun somehow <laughs> and there is like a dynamite and dead and it just it just much like an actual D campaign it just descends into lunacy that reminds me of the meme of like uh how campaigns think they start and it shows like the King fellowship Theoden of the rings yeah and, and yeah. like the the writers of rohan <laughs> it shows like monty python how it actually how it is. is yeah yeah how it actually is uh but yeah and, and it, that that is that one is probably one of the best depictions of a real like D and D campaign. On the other end of that, you have the movie that was put out by these same guys, by the way, the gamers put out the movie for dark dungeons, uh, which in our, our previous, the gamers did that? they did that. Yeah. Huh? I, I was watching it again on the, the opening season. I'm like, wait a second. That's the two. Oh God. That's yeah. The gamers put out dark dungeons, dark dungeons, by the way, is the name of the, the, tr- the chick track chick track. That you know, basically was saying, you know, D and D was the devil and this and the other, and they made a movie version of it, and it is everything you want it to be. Is, the, is that the one where at one point all of the college frat cool people are chanting RPG, RPG, and they just they, they separate and they break out a D and D table. I remember like Matt showed us that clip after talking about it one time, <laughs> and I'm just I stared at it dumbfounded, and I was like, this hasn't been my experience with Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I think one of my, it is one of the best lines you've ever said on this podcast, James, was you were talking about how like in that they, they are the, the cool kids on campus who play RPGs that are untouchable. And I went, I went to college, you know, we, I said we weren't untouchable. And then you just went untouched maybe, but yeah, <laughs> the, this, this movie, because unfortunately where it came from and what it was trying to show the gamers took that, put a parody spin to it yeah. and made it so much better. And I'm sorry, I have to spoil the ending because in the end, they're trying to summon Cthulhu. <laughs> hey there, Cthulhu. What's it like in this bad movie? We like watch it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it is hilarious. It is great. And then the entire, like, uh, the entire journey that they get there is you're just like, wow, really? And it, but yeah, the, the gamers did, did an amazing job. Uh, and it's <laughs> because you can tell while they, while they are taking the, like the whole thing of the, the acting that seriously, they are having fun. And I will admit as I, like when I went and saw the new, the new D and D movie, Honor Among Thieves. Yeah. You can tell like, you know, Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, all these actors while they are acting and they're doing their job. Occasionally you can tell they're actually having fun in this movie. Like they, they are like, you know, they're kind of cracking a smile at a joke, you know, that kind of stuff. You can tell that's not them, the character that's them, the actor going, okay, yeah, this is pretty cool. 
I mean, that there's a lot of that in D and D. Like even in your character, you're there. You yeah. know, you're playing that character, and you get that smile. Also, I love the fact that uh, D like because so much access to media now, it's amazing the people who are you know stepping out going, yeah, I play D and D. I love D and D. Like uh, Michelle Rodriguez, they were doing an interview, and she goes, uh, "Somebody asked her, well, Michelle, what is you know because another movie coming out is the the, the new Fast and Furious movie." What is some of your, you know, what is some of your other, because we mentioned, you know, we've heard Vin Diesel loves D&D. She goes, dude, Vin Diesel's like the biggest nerd in the world. When <laughs> I told him I got the got the role for D&D, he took me, took me into his study, opened the door, and it's just D&D books, floor to ceiling. Like, Vin is the biggest nerd. And you had somewhere in your heart of hearts, you got to go, all right, I like Vin Diesel even more now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say, there's, it's kind of relatable to, um, uh, Darkness rising a bit. There's an episode of the um oh gosh, I don't even know what year it came out. Uh the newer Voltron Legendary Defender cartoon that mm-hmm. came out. There was an episode like in one of the later seasons where they were having downtime and one of the uh side characters says, Let's play a game. And they're like, <laughs> Man, I'm not into this. Or one of the Lance, Lance, Lance like, yeah. I'm not into yeah. this. And the other's like, yeah, this sounds like fun. So like Pidge and and uh, Shiro, they all sit down to play <laughs> and it's it's straight up hitting all the tropes. They're, they meet up in a tavern yep. and uh, Lance is like, okay, this seems like a little fun now. I'm going to be a thief. And, you know, it, it's it's funny because uh, they're, they're, they're paladins because they're the paladins of Voltron. Yeah. And Shiro goes, well, I'm a paladin. Yep. I'm a paladin of, and he says a name that is like semi-reminiscent. And he's like, really? You're going to play what you are in real life? And he goes, yes, why not? The best part of that is later on, Shiro's character dies. dies. And so his next character. My brother, who yes. is also a paladin. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> the family business now there was also a live action on youtube that they did where uh it the it has a feel of like D, but they do larping instead of like the tabletop miniature and it it's hilarious too but yeah folks there is uh, and I, I love there are some people out there I, i've seen the guy there was somebody on tiktok who was mentioning that the fact that they hate how mainstream and how acceptable nerd culture has become, you know, while we were, you know, in the basements and the dark crevices of the, of the world, we were hounded. We were, man, go, go listen to, you know, Black Parade and just, you know, don't, put, don't, dis- don't speak to me about the don't dark, speak the to me about magic. I was there when that was written. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? cite the dark magic to me, yeah. which folks, do you know why we were ridiculed so much is because when we tried to bring other people into it, had we just kept to ourselves, just stayed where we are, they never would have known. But it's the moment we went, hey, I do this, you want to do this, that we would get made fun of. And now the fact that people you never know, people, I have, I've had family members walk up to me and go, hey, don't you do something with like that Dungeons and Dragons stuff? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, cool. My son wants to get in, he's trying to get into a game, maybe our friends, that kind of stuff. And I sit here and go, this is it. We we no longer are the we no longer are the weird people. We are we are we are as you said, we are those who wrote the deep magics. We are the we are the elders of the internet, so to speak. But and it's great the fact that we can now go, yes, open the doors and like these are all my dragons, these are my third edition books, fourth edition books. And instead of going, you're creepy, they go, Oh, that's cool. What's this thing? And you it just it's it's great and I love it so much. <laughs> The UPS guy came and delivered at the shop the other day, and I was sitting here in the D and D room. And he came in, and like he, I'm painting minis, and he looks at the wall of minis we have over there, <laughs> and like he just like looked so confused. And I'm like Dungeons and Dragons, and he's like, Oh, oh, okay, yeah, it's, it makes like, total sense. I, like I stopped being a weirdo once the context yeah. was given. By the well, way, I'm like, first of all, he walked into a game store that shouldn't be weird. <laughs> Uh, by the way, folks, if you ever see a picture of the wall, it's easy to see which which shelf is my shelf. It's, yeah, it's the one with all the freaking dragons. It's got all the dragons on it. Uh, but yeah, uh, and that that kind of you know kind of curtailing and getting back to the main. The fact that uh, media these days, the reason I think that a lot more you know exposure to D and D is because those who used to play it and who love it now get to go. Cool, I'm the producer. I'm the executive. Okay, let's do this right. One thing I want to say, I know we're getting close to time, um, and and if I could like get help from anybody out there who listens to the podcast, um, if you could put peer pressure on Moffat or Brody, either one of these guys, I am not 
going to be satisfied until I get to play in a musical D&D session. I need the musical D&D session I to happen. I can't sing. Look, you I, don't have okay, to sing. I just okay. need somebody to run it, and I, we got to get a group together. I know my natural ones. We hit a 10,000-like TikTok one night, and we're going to put out... I, I'm, we got it worked on. It's going to be a bunch of us dressed as dwarves. We're going to be doing the Misty Mountain song. I'm working on that. It's going to happen. Uh, but I... I've been trying for years. I want to get a musical D&D. I'm talking about like like a knight's tale. Yeah. Like occasionally we just which we do that a lot anyway in, in like our Wednesday <laughs> yeah, night that games. Was, and yeah. we harmonized so damn well. Man, we did good. <laughs> like I didn't want to stop. Which by the way folks, uh shout out to a friend of mine through TikTok uh name his name is Steve Gudlunas. He's part of the Mythic Thunderloot podcast where it is a D&D musical pod. These are actual like musical theater. Like these are guys that do oh, Broadway no. and stuff. I, the best way to describe it is it's music, it's D and D, and it's a little bit of, and it's a lot of jokes about you know herbal recreations, and it is it is hilarious. I think you would love I, myth, yeah, I Mythic Thunderloot. Send me a link. I will definitely send you a link to Mythic Thunderloot. Yeah, uh, and right there, folks. That's what that's what that all this exposure D and D lets us do to connect to people. Yeah, to find that that way that we can kind of come together as a community, become better people, and a better society because of it. I think in the end, that should be the main thing. That's the main thing about, about role-playing games is you're trying to find a way to connect to yourself, to the story, to the others around you at the table for a more immersive and more inclusive, just a better enjoyment, a better time. Uh, I believe that's probably the best way to end it right there. Just yeah, we all, want the, we all want the same thing, and that's to see ourselves and our fellow man better themselves. So with that, for Playing With Advantage, I am Kenneth Moffat, a.k.a. The Southern GM. James at the Hive. Love you guys. Be good to each other. Brody, Elder Finn. Uh, and before we clock out, remember, folks, go check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Twitch. We got Stagande Scars of Midgard every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, followed up not long after by The Natural Ones uh, at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, we can't do any of this without you, folks. You guys are the reason we do this. Without you, we would just be three guys sitting around here talking to, you know, microphones with nobody listening to that's just weird mainly because our only fans failed but whatever i did tell y'all mine failed that's right um no comment <laughs> so with that with that i'm just gonna end as i always do by saying folks be good to each other we only get one shot later Sure as hell ain't dead. Um, I think we need a countdown. We're work. <laughs> <laughs>